Welcome to Solutions from the Huddle, powered by Collaborative Solutions Group. We're discussing meaningful business and life topics to add motivation to your life and value to your efforts. Our show is hosted by certified professional CSG coaches who are often hired for private coaching, corporate training, and speaking engagements. Now, enjoy the show. This is Solutions from the Huddle, and I am your host, Titus Bartolotta. Hey, the show, Solutions from the Huddle, is powered by Collaborative Solutions Group, and we are so excited and and so grateful that you have tuned in again. If you're a regular subscriber and listener of the program, you are uh, very clearly our favorite people. Sorry uh, to all the newbies. Uh, We love that you came for the first time today, but we were kind of like in love with the folks that keep coming back. If you want us to love you, just keep coming back to the show. That's all you have to do. Uh, But right here on Solutions from the Huddle, we are so excited to, to create and, and produce uh, what we think is one of, uh, one of the world-class personal development and professional growth opportunities uh, for entrepreneurs, for sales professionals, for folks that are just interested in leveling up their life. Uh, if you don't already know, we invite really amazing folks to be on this show, folks that are published authors, uh, successful entrepreneurs, industry experts, just people that have lived enough life. They've eaten enough bread to tell the rest of us uh, maybe how to make uh, how to make good moves and avoid a, a few mistakes along the way. And we have another guest today that is going to do just that. A new best friend of the show that I can't wait uh, to introduce to all of you. We do start the show the same way every single time, and, and that's in prayer. So we'll do that this time, and then we'll jump right into our guest today. Uh, Lord, we just ask that you'll bless the show, the guests, the sponsors, all the ins and outs of our program, the listeners. We just ask that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart would be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Okay, friends. So today, our our new best friend, right? Today's uh, guest that's going to bring so much value, uh, her name is Elizabeth Pampalone, right? And check this out. She is a marketing expert. Okay. Elizabeth is an author, an international speaker. She's a podcaster, um, a successful entrepreneur, a minimalist, an expert marketer with over 20 years of experience. Her innovative approach helps overwhelmed business owners and burnt out nonprofit directors really achieve success and freedom through the power of what she calls absolute marketing. Uh, today, I'm excited to welcome to the program, Elizabeth. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Hey, Elizabeth, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself and, and kind of how it started, right? We love getting successful people on here, but their journey is so exciting. Most folks don't start off being a three-year-old that says, I want to do, and then fill in the blank with industry expert uh, down the road and amazing <laughs> winner at something when they become older. But ha- what's the journey of your life? How do we get to know you better? And during telling us uh, your journey, I have got to know what a minimalist is. Okay. So tell us a little bit about you and all the wonderful things that made you who you are. Well, I wasn't quite three when I decided to go into this career. Um, I was actually 14. And I started coding because my mom took us to the library all the time. And so, um, and I was homeschooled from K through 12. And so when I saw this class at a library that said, learn how to HTML code, I had never heard anything like that before. I didn't really know what that was. Um, I did some research and I was like, mom, I want to go to this thing. So this 14 year old skinny redheaded girl, uh, you know, who wears mostly only dresses, because that's what we did back in the day, uh, went to this library class in the evening with 
all of the adults who were trying to learn HTML for their jobs, (laughs) (laughs) for their businesses, you know, and they were sitting there just with just frustration on their face. And I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, we're learning a language and it's not words, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And I was so thrilled with it. And um, when we were leaving the class, I actually ended up helping some people, even though I'd never done it myself. I was the one kind of like, oh yeah, do this. And then they would do it and I'd go, oh, thank you. Because computers at the time, I mean, I'd grown up with computers. We had one since I was seven. And these people were in their 30s, 40s, 50s at the time, and they didn't. They were just all confused, and um, I thought it was fascinating. So when everybody was leaving, uh, the library would always put out books at the end of, at a table, you know, like, check out these books on this topic or whatever. And I waited. I said, I'm going to let all the old people get it first. Like, if they want the books, I'll let them have them. And nobody picked up a book. They all took their briefcases and they rushed out the door because it was, you know, eight o'clock at night. They got to get home. They're, they're frustrated already. They don't even know what they just did. And I just took every single book home. And from then on, from that point until I went to college, I checked out every book from that library that they got in about HTML, CSS, JavaScript. And I read every single one cover to cover. And now I didn't become a proficient. I wasn't, you know, some coding genius or anything, but it gave me this sense of like self-taughtness. Like I, I could learn things on my own. Um, and then I decided to start doing websites because that seemed like the most fun thing. And I didn't do any design though. I just did the coding and I learned design over time because I already had a creative kind of streak in me. And then I told my parents, this is what I want to do for college. And they were like, I don't know, you probably could be a nurse or a teacher or something that pays well. And I had to go to the library again and get one of those books that told them it pays 60 grand a year. I think I'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then they they agreed. (laughs) They relented. Yeah, there's some money in in marketing. I think there's money in in communication. Like when somebody knows how to help others, yeah, uh, clearly express yeah. themselves. There's there's a need for that. There's a want for that for sure. Yep. So I did that. I went to college for two years, got a degree in programming, not design, because again, I had this natural bent to that anyway. So I thought I'll just pick that up along the way. Um, then I got married. And three months later, my husband filed for divorce. He was uh, seeing someone else on the side. (laughs) Uh, And so I was pretty much just in a state of like, what do I do now? Like I'm 21. I have this degree and I have no prospect of anything for the future. My parents were moving to another state. We lived in Ohio. My parents were moving to Florida to be near my grandparents. And I was like, I guess I'll just go with you. Uh, They kind of forced me. I didn't really want to, but I was like, there's not really nothing else I can do anyway. Um, And I came to Florida and I didn't know what to do then either. I was a hostess and I was doing all these part-time odd jobs. And my mom said, why don't you just pick two things you like and make yourself a job? Because at that time it was 2007 and jobs were like the economy was starting to go down. And she's like, you're probably gonna have to make something up because there's not really any jobs out there that are going to sustain you. So I said, well, I like old people and computers. And so I started teaching at senior centers um, and community education classes, teaching people how to use Word, how to use Excel, how to write emails, um, how to just navigate their computer in general for like the the really senior population. Um, And then they would say, well, my computer doesn't do that. And then I would go to their house and fix their computer. And, you know, I was 20. I didn't really (laughs) think about, oh, I'm going to all these random people's houses that I've never, I don't know who they are (laughs) in a city I've never lived in. Yeah. Um, and I just did it. And I actually had a computer repair business that I built up and got employees. And I did that for 10 years. And kind of in the middle of all that, I realized I was doing my own marketing and I was 
you know, building my own business. And I thought, there's a lot of marketing e things that I do, including building websites, which was my original, you know, thing that I did back in the day um, that I think I could help other people with. And then I found networking, which I didn't really think there were other business owners out there. It never occurred to me <laughs> that I was the only one. Uh, and then I found networking and started meeting other business owners and realizing that they needed help too, because a lot of them were older than me um, and they need, they didn't know the internet as well as I did. And so I started my marketing company. And uh, five years ago, I sold my computer repair company to an employee, and I've had this marketing company ever since. Wow. So what a journey. I mean, I I love how um, kind of in and out and then back into um, Mm -hmm. that that initial passion uh, that brought you into marketing. And, you know, um, I think traditional marketing, and I'd love your opinion on this, traditional marketing where there's ink and paper uh, is is not necessarily the driving force in marketing today. I mean, digital is kind of winning the day with websites and email and social media. Mm-hmm. Is that is that right? I mean, do you see that as today's market and is that changing or is is it going to go back to the old way or is it just going to be this way? So I think it's actually changing. Um, and this is a, a sneak peek exclusive. So I haven't told yeah. anybody else this yet. No one else, no one else has asked awesome. the questions recently yes. anyway. Um, and so it definitely is changing. Um, you know, we, we started out with that print idea because you had to get the message to everyone, you know, near and far. And, you know, you got the Sears and Roebuck catalogs that would be printed and they would be shipped to all the homes. And, you know, this is back in like the you know 1800s, early 1900s. And then you have the advent of radio and now you can reach people by audio. Uh, and you can you can get that message out there and, and a lot of people can hear you in your area even further than that. Um, and then you have the advent of television um, and now you're reaching every single household in the United States uh, with your ads. Um, and you're still doing print, too, because you're reinforcing your message with print. And then you have the advent of the Internet. And I think that if you think about it in the last 150, let's say, years, um, there have been massive astronomical inventions for communication. I mean, just one right after the other um, that did not happen previously. I mean, we've, we've been around for 2000 plus years, depending on how you think about it, <laughs> uh, wow. you know, in a, in a more modern sense anyway, um, in the AD format. And, you know, we've, we have only in the last 150 years actually done all this stuff. And so, um, you know, and, and a lot of it was, you know, driven by the industrial revolution and stuff like that. But what we're seeing now is the internet comes along and everything tries to go digital. We're still doing paper. We're not really sure. We don't want to get rid of it. There's a lot of generations that don't want to get rid of it. But as those generations are starting to leave that workforce, the younger generations are going, okay, now we have to go all digital. And I think we've even seen a shift from in the beginning of my career, which was about 15 years ago, we were doing paper and digital. And we were doing like traditional marketing, which was the radio and television and digital. And then it kind of went full digital. Like people just have been tossing the other out the window unless you're big, big, big company, you know, like Coca-Cola or something. Um, But now what I'm seeing this kind of idea that digital is too impersonal. And it's almost like we're going back to this door-to-door salesman idea, but we're using the digital space 
to accomplish it. And that comes from people having Zoom meetings and all these one-to-ones that are happening, which were happening before, but they were happening at restaurants and in person and at coffee shops. Um, But now we're using the digital space to do those same one-to-ones, to to do that door-to-door salesman thing. and to get education out there using digital markets, you know, digital um, pieces like webinars and stuff like that. But we're we're really more focusing on the interaction with each person. Um, and I've seen right now that locally where I live, the in-person networking is like gold. It's like precious metal. Um, you have to mine for it. <laughs> you have to find it. Uh, but when you do find it and when there is an in-person meeting, people just flock to it because they crave that interaction so much. The digital space has done well for like to get us expanded globally and all that stuff. But a lot of people, even though they say they like to be at home in their pajamas and do all that stuff, No, they want to be with people. And after a year of being shut up in our homes or locked down or whatever you want to call it, like people need people and they need interaction and the energy. And I'm not like one of those energy people, but like the energy you feel when you walk into a room is so different than when you turn on your computer. Yeah, I I agree with that. Uh, You know, I've got... um... I've got quite a bit of experience uh, with networking and, and I would, I would say, I think it's such a driver for, for the ability to market business and the ability to uh, not only create, but, but maintain reputation and branding. Uh, we, we've actually had the founder of BNI, which is a, a, a globally yeah. kind of recognized juggernaut of the networking world. We, we've had my good friend Ivan on the founder a few times and, uh, so, so I believe in all of that. H- how do folks pivot and kind of shift and navigate um, in, in the different mediums, right? The in-person, the on-paper, and the and the and the click uh, of of digital. How do they navigate the ratios, right? Like, I only have so oh, yeah. many dollars. How and do hours. I invest in <laughs> hours? That's right. How do I invest my time and money? Uh, should I be 90% this and 10% that? Should I be 30, 30, 33, 33, 33? Like, how do I, how do I shift that stuff in the most effective way uh, for a small to medium sized business? I actually, that actually goes right into my uh, formulas, <laughs> my absolute marketing formula. Um, and I actually think that there are five pieces of your marketing that really should get a 20% stake. Um, and a lot of people don't pay attention to these other pieces. They really focus on social and they're like social, social, social. I have to have social. And then social becomes their marketing. Um, and then they leave out all this other stuff. And then they wonder why their business is not going well or why they're not you know, getting enough clients or why they're struggling in whatever way they feel they're struggling. So um, the absolute marketing method does not necessarily use networking as a pillar, but it is a major piece. So with Absolute Marketing, I create one year of marketing content for my clients in five days. Um, And actually, it's with my clients. Uh, We do this in person, one-on-one. I work with the CEO, with the marketing person, whoever is going to be in charge of those decisions. I work with them one-on-one. Sometimes it's two or three people. Sometimes it's just one person. Um, but the whole point of the absolute marketing method is to get your brand, your website, your social, your email, and your blogs done for the entire year for 365 days so that you can literally walk away from it 
and not have to touch it, even if there's a pandemic, because <laughs> a lot of my clients didn't change their marketing when they uh, when that happened, um, and that you can walk away from it. And then what what happens? What does that leave you with? Tons and tons and tons of time. <laughs> and you yeah. don't realize how much time you spend on this every single day, every single week, every single month. If you add all that up, you're spending so many hours when it could be condensed down into a short period of time, get it all done and move on. And so then now you've got all this time. It's put some of that time back into your family, put some of that time back into the things you like doing yourself, you know, giving yourself a little break, but then also take some of that time and do all those things you never had time for before. The networking, the speaking, all those things you're like, I was going to write a book, spend some time on that. You know, all those other marketing activities that could really, really help your business, but you're kind of longingly looking across the room with them going, oh, I wish I could write you book, but I just don't have time. <laughs> or I yeah. wish I could go to that meeting, but I just don't have time. Uh, and so this really frees up all of that space. So I, I think that there's the five pieces that I talk about should get an equal 20% amount of your time and amount of your effort. Because I don't think social should have more than 20% of your time <laughs> or your efforts. Um, but when it comes to the other pieces, they now have space, um, like networking and things like that. So um, I try to, let's clear the slate. Let's get all this other stuff off your plate now so that you can enjoy and do those other activities. That makes, that makes a ton of sense. Um, the five things for, for the folks at home uh, that are taking notes, right? We have a lot of folks that are li listening in the car, uh, well, but then they, they re-listen, right? With a notepad, they kind of try to jot <laughs> stuff down. So, so help our audience know what the, the five things are. If they're going to write down one, two, three, four, five on a sheet of paper, the five yes. main key focuses that we ought to be saying, our time, our money, our effort relative to marketing, uh, these are the categories. What are they? Your brand is first. And these are in order, by the way. So this is in order of importance and in order of completion. So your brand is first. And I find a lot of people, eh, my brand is my brand. Eh, it's okay. Eh, people know me as that. I can't change it. But what really ends up happening is they end up becoming complacent with it or their friend's cousin sister did it for 300 bucks or they don't have all the right formats and they're constantly changing it. There's all these different scenarios that you can go through about why someone's brand isn't working for them. And your brand should be so solid that it's like when you see the Nike swoosh, when you see the Apple logo, when you see me in a green dress, you just know. You just know. You're like, oh, that's that brand. And my brand became what it is today because I wore a green dress in a photo shoot. And now anytime anyone sees that color and anytime I go out and network, I wear that color. And if I'm, I've been at meetings before and people come up to me and said, oh, I saw your green the other day. I was in this store and it was this, this glassware and it was beautiful and I wanted to tell you about it. Or I saw your green the other day. It was this dress in a store window and I think you should go buy it. You know, like they associate that with me when they're out shopping for their own pleasure <laughs> or when they're out in the world and they don't think about that. It's just Kelly Green. It's just a color. It's not mine, but I have made them associate it with me so much because I wear it every time they see me that now it's my color. Now it's my brand. And now that's solidified in their minds forever. And I'll have people come up to me and say, oh, I was thinking about you the other day because I saw a green such and such, or I was at this store and they had your green on their signs or I don't know, whatever. And so I see a lot of times that people's brand is not that memorable for everyone else. 
and they don't even really care about it because it's just like the thing they have to use it might just be their name in letters and like burgundy like you know <laughs> just it's just there um but i really encourage people to look at your brand and it's not just your logo what do those colors mean a color has color psychology it's a whole thing uh you can look it up on google and fonts have font psychology also look that up on google um I did a whole ebook on it. It's in my branding course, but like, it's something that's people just overlook because they're like, Oh, I just need a logo. And it's not that it's your mission. It's your vision. It's, you know, why are you doing this? Who are you? It's who are you? Who are you? What are you doing? And who are you selling it to? It's all those things. That's your brand. It's the essence, the soul of your company. And when you skip the brand or you fast forward through the brand, you miss all of these pieces that I just mentioned. All of that is going to help your website be better. It's going to help your social hit to the right people. It's going to help your blogs be searchable and you know people are going to want to read them. And it's going to help your emails to actually make you sales. So if you don't have the brand right, you're going to miss so much. And you're going to think, why isn't my social working? Well, because your brand's not right. <laughs> so or why is my website not converting? Well, your brand's not right. <laughs> so it's definitely one of those pieces that I, I really like hit home and hammer on every single time I get a chance. And every class that I teach, when I teach like a five series class and we go through two hours on every single one of these topics and I get people engaged and get them working on their stuff. This is something I say every single class, even though we only we talk about social or we're talking about email or we're talking about websites. I talk about branding every single class at the very beginning because it's that important yeah so it sounds like branding is the bedrock it's the cornerstone and that's why on the list of five you've got it right there up up front right it's number one mm -hmm. it, it, it's so massively important um what makes two three four and five is that where you start saying social or email or other other marketing tool avenues Yes. And then you have to, once you have that brand, you need a home base for all this stuff. <laughs> you need a home base for all the stuff that's your services or your pricing or your portfolio or uh, how can someone contact you and all that stuff. And I ask people this question all the time. I'm like, what is the number one reason you would have a website? Why do you have a website? And a lot of people are like, oh, we use it for this. We use it for that. It's your home base. You know, it's your home base. It's where your sales are actually going to happen. Um, and so we want to make it as useful as possible. It doesn't necessarily have to be this the biggest, flashiest thing someone's ever seen. That's actually probably going to hurt you more than help you. But it does have to be easy to use, easy to understand, not complicated. Um, and I would direct people to my website. And I know this is a little sounding conceited, but <laughs> I work on my website all the time because when someone comes to me and says, Hey, what's your pricing again? I say, Oh, it, it's on the website. Did you not find it? And they say, no, I couldn't find it. I asked them, how did it go? Like, where were you looking? What were you thinking it was going to be? What were you expecting? And then I go and I change my website based on their feedback because I think of one thing and I'm like, yeah, I know what I know. Right. But I don't, they don't know what I know. And so I have to make sure that I'm adjusting it to that level because I'm trying to attract them so that they can know what I know and they can be yeah. you know, educated in this. So um, my website is definitely one that I think and I've, I've been tweaking to be the example so that people can see when I'm there, I get it. 
I get it. I understand it. I don't have to hunt. I don't have to worry about what I'm missing. It's all there. It's all laid out. And I don't have to dig for anything. Um, and that's really what websites should be. So the website is number two. It's very important because now you have all this great branding information. you got to dump it somewhere. It's got to have a home to live in um, and a home base to come back to because you don't want to be sending people and someone says, oh, where's your pricing? Oh, we had this post on Facebook or Instagram and it was like six months ago and you should probably go look for it. That's not going to work. <laughs> I'm not going to do that if I'm the client. So you have to have a page. It's on our website. It's at the top of the page. It's at the bottom of the page. If you click on pricing, you'll see it. You know, you have to have somewhere that's easy to access for them that they can just click it and get it rather than it being, oh, yeah, we posted that like six months ago. Didn't you see it? Weren't you a part of our group then? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So branding website. Um and, and that's so and so smart. I mean, I, I I so agree with that. I think most folks, um, even that don't know about your website prior to their engagement with you, maybe the website isn't what caused the initial engagement. I can't imagine anyone in today's marketplace that doesn't visit that website right after or shortly thereafter the engagement with you. It's almost like a a, a confirmation in some cases yeah. that hey, you're legit, you're professional, you yeah. have a website. The the stuff you told me, I see that you also say that on the website. And and I think it probably builds trust and credibility and all kinds of things. So I'm I'm all in. I agree. I think branded website makes so much sense. I've got them as number one and two on on my notes here. Then where do we go? Social media. <laughs> It's our tent pole. It's our highest point, right? It's the point that's going to be the the most attention grabbing, I think. Um, and it's the one that people put so much emphasis on. And I call it the tent pole because, you know, you got the four poles around the edge and then you got the one in the middle that holds the tent up. And um, it, this is really the one that's the highest point. And it's going to get you the most engagement. It's going to have the most traction for you as far as what you can see and measure. Maybe not what you're expecting, but at least what you can see and measure. <laughs> so uh, you might, might not become an overnight success, but you're going to at least be able to see that people are liking your page or engaging with your page. Um, and a lot of people ask, you know, well, why do we do social media? Like, what's the point? And uh, when I worked in the beginning um, with a lot of older people who were, you know, 15 years ago, they were in their 60s or late 50s and they were trying to you know, round out their businesses and retire, um, they were like, well, why am I even doing this in the first place? And a lot of people say, well, you do it for communication. You do it to stay in touch. You, you do it to advertise. And all those answers I think are wrong. And mm. I actually think that your webs, I mean, your, uh, your social media, it only is there to serve one purpose. And that's to drive traffic to your website. Because if you think about it, yeah, you can purchase something on Facebook, but have you like for real, like a legit thing, like something that costs several thousand dollars. Are you going into Facebook, putting your credit card in, in Facebook and purchasing it through Facebook and tracking your order through Facebook? No, you are going to Facebook. You see something you like, you go to the website, the ad will take you there, or you might just go there on your own. And then you talk to the person and then you make the purchase. How do you talk to the person? You contact them. How do you contact them? Through their website. So my whole goal with social media is not to have every post linked to your website, but that you should make sure that your main goal for social media is that people will go to your website, connect with you, contact you in some way, 
or make that purchase because they now understand why they need to make that purchase, whether it's a product or a service. Yeah. Talking with Elizabeth Papalone uh, right here on Solutions from the Huddle. We've got the the, the front three for all of the, the folks, all of our listeners out there. Um, it sounds like the direction that we're getting from you, Elizabeth, is that we got to get really clear on our brand. We got to make sure that we build it, grow it, maybe even maintain it. Um, we've got to make sure that our website is in place and represents the brand. And, and then social media is number three on the list here. And the biggest takeaway I heard from that was... Uh, it just needs to drive back to the website. And if we've if we've sprinkled our brand all over our website, social media is just really uh, getting them back to the place where they get to continue to lean into our brand. Is that is that the formula so far? That is it. And it's also that helper. A lot of people think that social media is marketing, but it's actually a marketing helper. It's not the main thing. So I think just as long as we remember that, because you know, if you look at the the length of time a post will live in the feeds on a platform, for example, Instagram f- um, posts live in the feeds for about 19 hours, and then they, the algorithm sweeps them, brooms them, and puts them, you know, they stay on your page or whatever, but they're not in the feed. You're not seeing them because you like that page. Same thing with Facebook. It's actually only about 90 minutes. Oh, that's wow. it. That's, um, yeah, that's Twitter is only that. 20... Twitter's only 21 minutes. Wow. And so I've seen people labor over writing a post. Mm. And I've seen them tweak it and rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it and tweak it again and rewrite it and then finally post it. And I'm like, how long did that take you? If it took you 30 minutes, you've just wasted so much time because it's not going to live that long. You, you've put something out there and you've made this baby of a post. And now it's not going to live very long. And so I have a, a whole course on every single one of these things. But my course that I do on this and when I teach a class on this, people are just floored by how little they get from social media versus other things they could be putting their time into. And so I try to put social media into perspective so that, yes, we want to use it. Yes, it's important. I use it for my business, but mm. I spend one day a year on it. That is literally it. That's smart. I like that. Um, Hey, we're going to take just the quickest break uh, ever in the history of all breaks ever taken on a podcast. And then we're going to get to hear number four and five with our new best friend, Elizabeth. Uh, We always just take a quick moment here in the show to just pause and say um, thank you to all the the brands and and businesses that say we want to stand next to solutions from the huddle. We we think the idea and concept of getting smart, awesome people like Elizabeth Papalone uh, on a program so that the world gets to take notes and grow and advance themselves. I was like, we think that makes sense. And so thank you so much to the brands, uh, to the businesses that support us. If you want to know who they are and you want to learn more about their products, uh, it's real easy. You just go to team-csg.com, team-csg.com, and you just click on the solutions from the huddle tab, and you'll get to see all the ins and outs of our show. And at the bottom there, uh, you're going to get to see all the logos from companies like Shepherd Law, companies like Easy Living Technologies, folks like Speedy and Grease Monkey and Novant Health. There's even more than that. But if you click on their logo, it takes you right to their website, which we just heard from Elizabeth is kind of a big deal. Well, they all have websites and it'll tell you exactly what they do. And uh, and here's the deal. If you know our brand at Collaborative Solutions Group, uh, you know that we don't stand next to other companies that aren't worth standing next to. So just go to team-csg.com, click on their logo, learn more about our sponsors and uh, give them a try. I think you'll be really happy you did.
Okay, Elizabeth, uh, the most important brand right now, uh, the, 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 the biggest thing on the planet for me, though, is Absolute Marketing. That's your brand, okay? And so uh, it, it makes all the sense in the world that the folks that are listening to the show probably need to, at some point, jot down getabsolutemarketing.com. They got to go to your website and, and learn more about you and your brand and your company. And they're probably going to see some of the stuff that we're talking about here on the show. Uh, I want to round out your list. We, we got number one, we, our focus is branding. Number two, our focus is website. Number three, our focus is social media. And you've unpacked those three brilliantly. What's number four and five on, on what you've said with your years of experience? Hey, these are the top five things that you've got to get a focus on relative to your marketing. What's four and five? Number four is blogging. And I know people are going to say... and. Fight me on this. I'm not a good writer. I don't know how to write well. So you can replace it with podcasting, but you got to do one of them. <laughs> I'm more of a podcaster myself. I like to talk more than I like to write. So I, I recommend blogging because it's great for your SEO. But if you are going to do podcasting, um, just make sure you're doing some kind of transcription or something like that. Um, and I actually do a weekly weekly podcast myself. Um, it's two minutes long and I just do a marketing tip every week. And I, that's what fits in my lifestyle. Um, and when I work with people on their blogs and we sit down and we write 12 months of blog posts, we get the whole year done in a day. Um, I don't get 52 podcast done in a day because it's a little much for that. But I do usually um, create, you know, three to six months at a time and sit down and get all of that done and then create another three to six months. And, you know, so twice a year for the podcasting for me, but um, definitely once a year if you're going to do blogging, but it can be done in one day. A lot of people think it's impossible. I do it all the time. So it's not. <laughs> yeah. So, so blogging, uh, but also like with some level of consistency relative to when it goes out. Even if you yes. create a bunch of it, it has to drip out, right? We can't yes. pour it all out in one day. Yes. And I, I'm big on scheduling. Same thing with social media. We create, um, you know, 365 social posts in a day and it's all on a scheduler, you know, um, let's use the, the marketing tools that are at our disposal, whether we have to pay for them or not. Um, it's worth it, uh, you know, for us to not have to worry about it and free up all that time. And the same thing with the blogging or the podcasting, you can schedule all that stuff. It's not, you know, I say it's not rocket science because it's not. <laughs> yeah, but it's important. It, it, so, so blogging and getting um, what's important to you or your content or your message or some conversation where you get to speak to your audience in a consistent way is, yeah. is a big part of your, your equation. And education. I mean, you know, using blogging to educate people, because a lot of times people will come to me and they'll go, people don't know this, you know, and that, that's mm. will be the main thing. They'll say, people don't understand what I do. People don't know what I do. And or they'll say they think I'm just a hairdresser. I'm just a plumber. I'm just a whatever. And I'm like, but you're not that you have to if you want that to be perceived differently. You have to tell people that you can't just assume or uh, you know expect them to just uh, osmosis divine intervention that they will understand <laughs> uh, sure. you have to actually explain it and that's where that brand comes in because then you be, you kind of create your own voice for your company um, and it becomes this voice that you speak in all the time and then that becomes your voice for your podcast or your voice for your you know your blogs and so Having that brand, it's going to influence every single one of these pieces as you go forward. Um, and then that feeds into number five, which if you do blogs or podcasts and you get a bunch done at one time and you've got them scheduled in, 
this makes your email marketing day or your email marketing, which is number five, so easy. It barely takes any time at all. <laughs> wow. And I use RSS feeds because why should I sit there every week and make an email every single week when my podcast launches? Why not make one email one time? And when my podcast launches, it sends the email by itself and it posts the social posts by itself. <laughs> I yeah, want to like eliminate all this stuff. So, um, so then we do, we do email marketing on day five um, and that's number five. And I, I really think that there are some sales posts you can create ahead of time, sales emails that you can drip out over time, maybe once a quarter, maybe two or three times a year if you don't want to be that salesy because you're going to have sales posts on your social and you're going to have sales information kind of in your podcast or on your blog. Um, and so it's all about getting people back to speaking with you, back to your website to buy that product or that service. Um, and so as long as all of this is pointing to that one hub, to that one main goal, because you know, you're not, I mean, you might just buy something randomly on the online, but it's only because it's like 10 or $15 or maybe $25. But if you're going to spend more than that, you're probably going to want to talk to somebody. You're probably going to want to research. You're probably going to want to know more, uh, especially if you're spending hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars. And so if you've got a product like that, you've got to get people to that space where they can make that decision and you can help them make that decision whether what you have is right for them or not um, and help them decide that. Or if it's a low cost product and you're just like as many eyeballs as possible, then you have to have a different strategy. But in that case, you also can't expect overnight success either. You have to really work at that and you have to say, how do I get as many eyeballs as possible? And how do I take these five pillars and go to other people's audiences and get in front of their eyeballs? You know, And so it really depends on the product you're selling and how much it costs. But it does, all of these pieces apply to every single business. And the podcasting one, like I said, is interchangeable with blogging. And I have another one that's a little bit kind of on the outside of it, which is memberships. So I have a membership. I have, um, you know, my, all my courses in there, all my videos are in there and you can access, you know, my, all my toolkits and all that stuff is all together in one space. Because for me, I'm a content machine. I'm constantly putting out content. So I had to have a place for all of it. But your website is not really that place because sometimes you want to save that content for exclusive members or insiders or whatever you want to call them. And maybe they play, pay a little bit of a premium for that information, but they're not necessarily full-on clients, right? So um, you know, having a membership is a really great way to have an exclusive little club where if someone is like, I want to be in this sphere, I want to learn from you, but I'm not ready to be a client yet, you've got this funnel for them. Um, and so that's an extra piece. Not everyone needs that, but it's kind of like piece number six that's kind of hanging out there. But the other five pieces, every single person needs except the podcasting, because like I said, that's interchangeable. So smart. I, I love it. I, hey, I, we ask every guest that comes on the program. Um, to to share with us their insight and maybe what they've learned through education and certification and 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 uh, you know kind of their real success experiences and you've done you've done that and more but we we try to land the plane this way um, we we like to ask this question where have you failed where have you made mistakes and and through those actions learned because uh, one of my 
mentors is um, is John Maxwell, who's written you know a hundred books on on leadership and communication. And one of his books is uh, sometimes we win, sometimes we learn. Right. So like when we fall or we fail, if we fail forward, uh, sometimes it could be really some of the best things that, that that have ever brought us to where we're trying to go. And I would imagine you being a successful person have learned through a few bumps and scrapes. If you're, if you're comfortable enough to share with us, maybe, yeah. Hey, I, I learned this really amazing thing because I totally screwed up and, uh, and you don't have to screw up because here's what happened. And here's what I did. Is there, is there one of those moments that you can dig into your, uh, your bag and pull out and share with us? So I talked about in my initial bio that I kind of went through in the beginning two or yeah, two successful businesses that I've had, you know, the computer repair company, which I sold and then the marketing company, which I currently have Um, in my entire career. I've actually had about seven businesses. All the other ones failed. (laughs) So I'm, I'm two for two for five, two for five, I guess uh, seven. Um, and you know, it's definitely one of those things that, uh, you know, gosh, like, okay, I'll tell you the most recent one. Um, I had a, 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 a wild hair last year because everything was going on and I didn't know how my business was going to transition and all that. So, um, I decided to start a second business with a partner. I'm not a partner gal. This is, you know, I really should have known better. <laughs> but I was like, it's going to work this time. It's like the girl with the Uh-oh. boyfriend. She's like, oh, it's going to work this time. <laughs> um, and so I had a partner and she's great. She was fine. But, and we worked well together. That was the thing. But we chose to do something that we had no audience in. We had no prior experience in. And we saw everyone else online making tons of money on not realizing that they had prior knowledge, prior experience, and prior audiences. And so we went into this business. We spent around 10000 between us. Um, I put in more time. She put in more money. And then it just failed. I mean, we spent money on ads. We did the whole Facebook ads thing. We did. I mean, we did everything that we saw everyone else doing. And we completely fell on our faces and it ended up ruining our friendship. And she won't speak to me now, (laughs) which is sad, but like it became one of those things that, and this was literally just last year. So 15 years in business, you know, you think you should know better in some of these cases. And I didn't because I was like trying everything, trying all the things. And what it really taught me is that I I've always been pretty brutally honest with my clients. I mean, pretty much they'll say something and I'll be like, no, (laughs) you're not doing that. And here's why, or this is why I would not advise you to do such things. Um, Mm. But it really helped me to see that even when I've wanted to hold back or even when I have held back with my clients and given them, uh, you know, oh, I don't want to crush their dream. I could just, you know, well, this could, this could work if you do X, Y, and Z, you know, which could be true. But in my heart, I know they're not going to make it. You know what I mean? And so instead of ever holding back with clients, I am completely brutally honest with them. And I had a client call me the other day and she said, I want to start this e-commerce site and I want to sell these products and I want to be a speaker on this. And I said, that is a great idea. 
First question, do you have any experience in this area? And do you have a current social media following where people see you as an expert on this topic? And she said, no. And she said, well, I got this other idea. So she gave me the other idea. I asked her the same question. No. And I said, honestly, if you want an opinion, I said, I'd love to work with you. I'd love to take your money. I'd love to spend five days with you. And, and you know, you pay me $10,000. That would be great. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that because you're going to fail. I said, I would recommend that you spend a year building your social media following, putting out blogs. Yeah, you might need a website for that, but you could probably DIY one to start. Like, here's the plan. It's going to take you a year and then come back and we'll build that e-commerce site because you'll be ready. You'll have that following. You'll be that expert. And she was like, well, how much time is this going to take? And I said, it's probably going to take about 20 to 30 hours a week from you outside of, you know, and she was trying to retire. She was like, I have a full-time job. I don't want to have all that extra work. And I said, Mm. but you haven't laid the groundwork for this thing you want to do. And that was what we hadn't done when we did our, you know, little venture into this arena that we knew nothing about. And we had, we didn't have that audience. We didn't have all those followers. And she said, well, I don't want to do that. That's too much work. Mm. And I said, then don't do it because you will fail and you will lose money and you will be frustrated and you will be upset about it. I said, then just don't even attempt it. If you are not even there yet, if you're not ready for it, maybe, mm. maybe revisit it later. So I had to be brutally honest with her and I did lose a client. Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't get her as a client, obviously, but I would rather be brutally honest with her now than her come back to me in six months and go, I'm not making any money. I paid you all this money. Why isn't it working? And have it be like my fault because she sure. wouldn't put in the work. So I, they really did teach me to, to be brutally honest. Mm. Well, folks, I'm going to be brutally honest. I think, uh, I think marketing needs to be more important for every business. I think we, uh, we just kind of expect that our wonderful amazingness is, is known by everyone or should be. And how dare mm-hmm. they, they not know that. Um, so uh, it sounds like Elizabeth is somebody that can help you continue the conversation. Elizabeth, uh, h- how do they continue, right? A, a listener of the show says, I, maybe it's time for me to get some help. How do they connect with you? What's the, what's the, the first next step you want them to take after they listen to this show? Well, they can go to the website, getabsolutemarketing.com. And I do have two free things there for them. Uh, They can access the Pro Toolkit, which is free. It's every tool that I use and how I use it. So there's a little description for each one. And there's discount codes in there. There's free access in there as well. So every scheduler I use, all my editing softwares that I use, and I only spend about, mm, I would say, probably around $2,000 a year on all of my tools. So it's very minimal. I keep everything really tight. So if you want that list, it's on the website at getabsolutemarketing.com at the very top. And at the very bottom of the page, there is a access, um, free two-week access to our Insiders Club, which has every video I've ever done, every course I've ever created, all access pass to all that stuff um, and our community as well. So, um, and you can ask questions in there. You can book a call with me. So all that stuff is free, free, free. You can access it at any time at getabsolutemarketing.com. Our guest today on Solutions from the Huddle, marketing expert, Elizabeth Pampalone. Hey, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope you'll come back in the future and do it again. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. 
Hey guys, Titus Bartolotta here with Collaborative Solutions Group. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode of Solutions from the Huddle. If you want to hear more episodes and continue supporting our show, simply search for and subscribe to Solutions from the Huddle on any major podcast platform. Thank you again, and we hope you'll join us soon.